The three R's are an important part of this philosophy, and no, we are not talking about reading, writing, and arithmetic, though these might be just as important to practicing optimal energetic wellness. Recognizing, respecting, and redirecting is like the Tai Chi for emotional processing. Watching that energy come in, viewing it without judgment, and then redirecting it to be utilized in a more beneficial manner, one that promotes the growth of the individual. So it's time to break out your metaphysical toolbox because this is a tool that is going to rest on that top tray to always be only an arm reach away so it can be used early and often. Let's journey. Wise with Aaron and Alexander uncovering our authentic self through self-awareness conscious communication and emotional responsibility we will not be defeated Alexander <laughs> this episode that we're about to lay down capitalizes on the three R's the technique that we've talked about plenty, plenty in past podcasts, yes. but we have never really done an episode dedicated to it. And Mercury Retrograde, um, something happened uh, back a couple months ago where during that last retrograde, that it just disappeared off disappeared, your computer. Yeah, we had this episode um, recorded and we had to do our work and release any attachment to it. And uh, today we're just going to do it um, 2.0. So there's probably a reason why it got deleted, so hopefully this is more centered around, I guess, the information that the universe thought we should present versus Absolutely. what we had. So yeah. so uh, the three R's, Alexander, what do the three R's stand for? Recognize, respect, and redirect. So this is whether you're dealing with your thoughts, whether you're dealing with pursuing consciousness or enlightenment, whether you're dealing with children whether you're dealing with other so-called adults, this process works really well in any of the any and all of these areas. So I'm looking forward to getting that uh, this information out in a little bit more detail and uh, explaining exactly the steps of this uh, recognize, respect, and redirect. So one of the areas that we've talked about that it comes up a lot in are conversations. And I think we, we actually talked about this in a previous podcast where if somebody uh, is starting a conversation with you and they say something to you that kind of triggers you, we've talked about, you know, the steps that, that you should take using this, this type of 3R system and, and how to properly manage that emotional reaction and get back to a, a state of neutrality. Right. And, and to understand that that state of neutrality is when you can trust whether you you can trust your intuition, you can trust whether you're seeing things clearly. If you carry a preference um, or if you're in any level of emotional reaction at all, you're not seeing the person or situation or whatever you're dealing with, even a thought, uh, clearly. So the first very first step of this recognize is recognizing, first of all, the light in the other person. And there's a word used that's been overly used, but it is very powerful, namaste. And it means the light in me recognizes the light in you. And what that means on the deepest level, uh, potentially, is that we look past what the person is presenting as their personality. We look past their personal preferences. And we accept that we're all connected and we're really in this game of life together. And that... Due to uh, the pillars that we often go back to, uh, and one of them is that this is the plane of polarity, we have to be accepting that if we experience one side of something, we're going to experience the other side as well in life. And so if you're seeking something so-called good and something so-called bad comes, 
uh, it's the leaning into that and not choosing to judge it. As many great teachers, Jesus included, you know, just said simply, judge not. And so we want to stay out of the judgment in this recognition step. So the first part is that recognizing that light in the other person. And that starts to uh, potentially dissipate any uh, emotion that's trying to come up. And that's the next step to recognizing is what is this bringing up for me? Is it creating a need to react, a need to explain? Uh, If it is, then there's something internally worth looking at. It means that uh, this person is presenting a situation or this energy or this thoughts or whatever it is, is presenting a situation for growth. Because remember, growth happens through friction. And what we resist persists. And when we lean into that friction and receive the lesson, we neutralize it. And we can actually help in our last uh, episode, we talked about roles. So this is how we help people to not have to play roles in our life is that we are recognizing what this is bringing up from our past. So in both of these first two steps of recognizing, you see that it, when you turn the energy inward, it dissipates the need to react. Uh, Now, that very first step is important, and many times to practice this first step, we need to practice pausing first. So the very first step of this is in every interaction with a person or with yourself, with the thoughts or emotions, to just learn to pause, to train yourself to pause before reacting, before responding even. Some people, it helps to take one breath. Some people, it might help to take two or three breaths. But the point of that pause is that to teach yourself subconsciously that I'm always going to pause to reflect inward. And that becomes another habit. Because remember, anything that we do for three weeks, three months, three years, it establishes habits. So typically the, the, the first breakdown is just that three weeks or 21 days. So even in Ayurvedic medicine, many times they will sh- suggest to do 10 days on and 10 days off because they want to avoid the, the body adjusting to the supplementation that's coming in. And so all of these things are very wise to see that, you know, what we do most consistently builds our subconscious, so to say. It trains it. And then the longer that we practice something, the less effort that we have to put into it. So there's a lot in this just very first step, and we do want to break it down in individually. And um, is there anything that you would like to share uh, as where recognizing is concerned um, in yourself, Aaron, or anything that you've practiced through up to this point with that? Well, I, I do know that I've had a lot of trouble with that first step and taking that pause. It's something that I've worked on a long time and in and, and the hardest part in my life personally has been my personal, my closest relationships, family and friends. Those been those have been the hardest to practice that. As they almost always yeah. are. And, and, that's where and, the biggest gifts are. And I think the way I've gotten to be able to handle that is to remove a lot of my my energetic blockages to to where I'm starting out neutral, and then I can handle something like that. But when you're starting off already upset at you know something that happened last week or yesterday, or when you're already you, you know not at a neutral position, it's even harder to get back centered to even practice this stuff. Absolutely, and that's. That is part of that recognition of, hey, if I'm a little aggravated here, uh, now's not the time. So here is where we want to bring in uh, what we call the five external questions of social engagement and one internal search. And that is, is this the right person? Is this the right subject? Is this the right time? Is this the right place or surroundings? Is this the right technique of communication? And then the sixth one is why, and that's the internal why. Why is this happening to me? So in this word right that I'm using, normally we stay away from right and wrong, good and bad, and these types of terms. But here I want to explain, is this for the right, for the overall good of everyone involved? 
And so I want to make that clear that that's what I am intending here using the word right. I was going to use uh, different words, but this helps with memorization, I think. Just uh, right place, right person, right subject, right time, right sur- uh, surroundings, as I said, is similar to place, right communication, and that internal search of why is the five external questions of social engagement and one internal search. So this is part of the pause. So the mind many times needs something to do. And this is what in the pause that you do, you ask these five questions, so to say, and it helps to dissipate any of the emotion that's trying to come up. And then that second step is uh, the respect part. And here, I feel like this is a step that many, many people actually not aware of, but they skip. And lots of times when people make an assessment, they go straight into attempting to fix or to change. And that is in the redirect that we will get to. But this respect stage is so important because most people aren't going to receive if they don't carry a certain level of respect from the direction that the information is coming from. And many times that respect is changes due to the situation that it may be somebody that you respect overall, but on this specific subject, you don't respect uh, because of maybe how they have mishandled uh, their suggestion and maybe they don't follow the same thing that they preach, so to say. So in this level of respect, it is uh, taking that, that into consideration and This is, once again, helps to bridge that with those five external questions of social engagement, that once you go through the time of, is this the right place, the right time, the right person, the right subject, and the right form of communication, that is, you're giving them respect because you're actually using your intention as to what you are about to present. So, once again, whether this is a thought coming in, like maybe when you're in meditation, it's a thought coming in and you're trying to redirect it. Or it's a child coming up, tapping you on the leg, wanting to interrupt a conversation you're having with somebody. Or it's an adult that is bringing a challenging situation to you. We want to learn to go through these steps to help buffer these emotional reactions because, remember, we want to respond rather than react. And Many times, respect is connected to how we respect ourselves. And many times, people can only respect someone else to the degree that they respect themselves. Love is the same. Uh, Someone can only love something or someone externally to the level that they love themselves. And a big key to this is how people separate their love with animals and their love with humans. And that they can see there's a, there is a, a certain level of respect there and a certain level of recognition. But what animals do for people is they give that safe space because the animal respects the owner, so to say. So they're, they're going to get this consistent love without the antagonization of questions, of judgments, of those types of things. So some people can really prefer the company of animals over people, and we just want to make sure there's no judgment in that. Just make sure that you take the things that you find that work with animals and start to utilize them with people. If we treated people as kind as pet owners treat their animals, they would get different results from the people. So use that as incentive to learn. And then we bring it, of course, uh, around to the redirect. So you redirect the energy. You redirect the thought. You redirect the conversation. So after you recognize the person, you show them some respect, then it's very similar to martial arts. You don't want to be aggressive. You don't have to be aggressive, and this is like reacting. This is where people would react to something that someone said. But if you're really looking to respond, uh, and you're going to respond through this redirection. So if someone, say, hypothetically, uh, from an emotional standpoint, say someone brings anger toward me, 
if I go through those steps to recognize them, to show them respect, and then I simply don't absorb whatever that uh, opinion is that's coming at me, and it's kind of like I like to create a visual where you just kind of make a little sidestep and you just look at like you're not trying to stop the energy. You're not absorbing the energy. You're buffering the energy just to redirect it. And I like to share a story with this that um, I've had a couple of automobile accidents that could have been extremely dangerous. And I do support people to use seat belts, But in both of my head-on collisions, I didn't have my seatbelt on. And it wound up being a very good thing. And in one of them, there was a lady coming at me head on. And it was one of those situations, I know many people experience this, where it goes into slow motion. And I started scooting over into the passenger seat while still having my hand on the steering wheel. And she was coming straight for me. But somehow I knew, and through the grace of the divine, that if I waited till the right time, and I jerked the car to the right, that rather than hitting me straight on, she would hit my front bumper or quarter panel, front side at an angle, and it would go down a whole lot smoother and wouldn't be such an impact. And this is, you know, it can be seen in any type of physics, that that's a buffer, that you're buffering the impact. And that's what that that internal leaning to not absorb what they're saying, to know that, you know, hurt people hurt people. So if somebody's coming, throwing some negative emotions on you, they're probably just coming from having that done to them. And you don't need to take that on, but you don't need to stop them from doing that either. So the way that you use this in like meditation for thoughts is when people start to meditate, turning their mind off is a huge challenge, and you can't stop energy. It's not, uh, that's not something the way that, that fits in the parameters of, of energy. So you always want the energy flowing. So in this uh, understanding is as you're sitting there trying to quiet your mind, thoughts are going to come in. You go ahead and accept that. But as they come in, just like maybe you would talk to a child, you say, thank you but now's not the time. Thank you, but now's not the time. Oh, remember to pick up uh, some almond milk on the way from work tonight. Thank you, but now is not the time. And not get frustrated with it because after you tell that thought that possibly a hundred times, you will retrain the direction of that message. And what you're doing is whether you're teaching people, you're teaching kids, or you're teaching your thoughts, is you're saying, I'm not accessible right now, so please go on standby. It's like putting a computer on standby or, or by turning the computer off. So see, none of that is aggressively stopping anything. All of this is flowing. Through all of this, there is energy moving at every step. In the pause even, you're still allowing the energy to move. So once again, recognize the person, thought, or situation. Then show them respect by first of all being respectful to yourself and what is for the overall good of everyone involved here. Utilize those five external questions that we brought up and we do have uh, podcasts where we've broke those down in the past. And then the redirecting is that final stage. But through all of this, the main thing to make sure that you're not uh, getting caught up in is that you're just going to have to do this one time with the person, with the child, with the thought, with the emotion. No, we are repetitive beings, and we learn through habitual actions, and we create a new habit or a new pattern through practice, structure, and discipline. And then that discipline becomes just a part of your life after you do it uh, enough. So this is, um, I've been excited to recreate this episode since we lost it because it is such a huge part of this work. And I can't um, really get across verbally just how important, uh, you know, this stage or this step is. So what would you say is the most important part of doing this? What, what is the benefit of practicing the three R's within this work? Well, really it is uh, that you are retraining your mind in how it operates. And the mind is most people's biggest obstacle. 
And I'd like to say here that, you know, the emotions come from the mind because it's how we judge something as to what emotion happens. This is where I like to suggest that love may be the only feeling. And this is important to separate emotions and feeling. So I'd like to make a suggestion for people to just ponder this hypothesis and to look at unconditional love, true unconditional love as being the only feeling and everything else that we experience that has any judgment, good, bad, right or wrong or any of that is an emotion. And I'm putting the so-called positive ones in here as well. Uh, Joy, happiness, all of that is you're not, if you are experiencing any emotion, you are not seeing something clearly. The majority of the time, I don't know if it can be seen clearly through emotions. Uh, A general teaching that I have is, you know, questioning whether emotions and consciousness can coexist. I mean, they exist on the same plane, but simultaneously. You're either in your emotions and fully in the human form or consciousness is staying connected to that higher energy and seeing it for the overall good of everyone involved. So the main point of this is actually kind of like a training mechanism. And please don't take any offense to that because understand all of you have been trained. We've been trained by our school system, by our family units, uh, by our friends, by our government, by our music, our what's on the news. We're constantly being bombarded and trained. And see, even if you resist all that stuff, you're still training. Anything that you do uh, consistently is a type of training. And resistance is another type of training. And what we want to bring in once again is what you resist will persist. So we don't want to resist it. We want to lean into it. We want to make love with it. So, and and the reason why that emotions can't be feeling is because they are basically like a facade, an association that we've individually built based on our experiences. Yes, uh, to, to, um, you know, have so many preferences. So there's wonderful other philosophies and paths out there, you know, such as Buddhism that teaches non-attachment, which I'm a, a very big fan of. Um, I use the term of non-preference, and this is some, very difficult for some people to to accept that the less that you carry preference in something, the more likely you are to see it clearly. That doesn't mean, once again, that I don't I happen to like green beans better than broccoli. So right away, people go, oh, Alexander, you've got a preference. Well, yes, but if I'm at someone's house and they're serving broccoli, I'm going to be happy to eat the broccoli. I'm not going to make a stand and make a scene in front of everybody that, no, I like green beans better than broccoli. So the point is in being able to utilize this in the recognition step is to actually ask yourself, Hey, am I carrying a preference here? Because if I'm having emotion, then I can almost guarantee that you're carrying a preference. Then the next step is I can almost guarantee you're not seeing this clearly. So until you can get out of that emotion, you are seeing through um, blinders, so to say. And with love, unconditional love, and this is still a very esoteric um, word in our culture, that many people have a problem understanding. And I do want to separate, you know, unconditional love and romantic love. I happen to feel that, you know, romantic love resides in the heart. And this is where a lot of people separate from their lower chakras, especially through a trauma of relationships. And the energy, of course, comes in our crown and goes through all the, the energy centers optimally and then goes out the feet and it just circles like that. But many people are challenged to get energy down to those lower chakras because of the the blockage and the damage in the heart chakra. Well, many times it's in the throat chakra or in the third eye chakra about how somebody thinks about themselves. Uh, anybody that's been suppressed to speak their truth, then the throat chakra is blocked. Anybody that's gone through uh, heartache, through relationships, you know, that blocks that heart chakra. And then the third chakra is about you know, that balance between willpower and trust. So if your trust has been broken. So I hope you can understand when these energy centers get blocked or get sluggish, it stops energy from flowing down. And here's a new concept that I want to share with people, that unconditional love may actually be found in the root chakra. 
528 hertz has been measured um, through many different examples and ways of this unconditional love. And 528 hertz is what's considered a C sharp in, in notes, and there are notes connected to the chakras. And typically, most people see the note as, of C as the root chakra and the note F as the heart chakra. And so this is how I separate those, that unconditional love is actually in the root because the root carries safety, security, and financial issues. And from what I have through my studies, through my experience with people, when someone feels safe, when they feel secure, and they don't carry any financial concerns, these are the people that I've seen proven that can reside in unconditional love. It's not the same as that emotional uh, attachment type of love that stirs up all of these emotions. So many people that reside in this unconditional love wind up pulling away from, from life, such as you know the Buddhist teachings of non-attachment. So they will just go to either monasteries or go to caves or go away from people to hold this vibration. And some people are here to do that. And if when enough people hold a certain vibration, it can shift the mass consciousness. And so we want to get there, but we are very mental beings. And so hopefully the wise wise is part of helping logistical steps to get to this step of this unconditional love that uh, many, many people keep bringing up and talking about. I know it's been a long time, but we have recorded an episode about unconditional love uh, where we do cover all that in more depth. Um, but I, I did want to say that uh, I'm glad you brought up animals because I thought that was a really good point about how um, people treat animals differently. And I, I do too. And, and when animals do something wrong, we, we're not as quick to discipline them because we accept that they are animals and they're not capable of certain, I guess we we assume yeah we assume that they're not capable of certain like judgments or or communication uh, yeah thank you and so i i that kind of brought me that perspective brought me back to thinking about children and i want to bring children in here because i feel like this is a big part of the three r's and so i had seen um somebody close to me a month ago post something on facebook where they're asking for help because their child who was a young a young girl, probably around the age of 10, I think, she was saying that she wanted to run away from home. And this person was asking for help, you know, and what to, to what to do in this situation. And, you know, seeing that from, a, you know, as from a third party perspective, I could see how the child probably wasn't being heard. Sure. And so I, I could see that. And, and, and uh, so if I was going to offer advice, if it was asked of me, I would probably say, you know, are you listening to your child. But maybe you can expand upon it uh, utilizing the three R method. Yes, and, and great point. So, you know, children are really much more aware. So we put so much emphasis on intellect and we go, oh, their intellect isn't developed so they don't understand. But children carry an awareness that most humans, most adults, so-called adults, have lost. And what they're doing is no, they may not have the mental capacity, but they're actually very sensitive to energies. And so that's why it's not always exactly what the parent is doing or saying. It, that can have a drastic effect, but it is the um, if there's just negative energy in general. Uh, so some parents think that they're, they're doing really good if they just don't show any of that in front of the child. But if they're still carrying the energy the child is picking it up and absorbing it, uh, and some children more than others. So here's an example that I give uh, where children are concerned, and maybe people can take this example and use it in their own situations. But say I'm in a conversation with Aaron, and we happen to be at a social situation to where there are kids around. And maybe this seven-year-old comes up to me, and uh, starts tugging on my pants saying, Alexander, Alexander. Of course, he wants my attention and wants me to talk to with him. Then to use the three R's in this situation, as he's tugging the pants, I want to uh, apologize to Aaron and excuse myself. Uh, please excuse me. Um, and then recognize little Johnny. 
And then I turn to little Johnny in recognition and respect and say, little Johnny, I am very interested in what you have to say. And I want to give you my undivided attention. So please give me five more minutes to finish my conversation with Aaron. And then let me know where you're going to be. And I'm going to come find you and give you my undivided attention. Now, I have seen this proven that children, when they are recognized and when they are respected, they follow direction very, very well. And see, this is showing um, not equality, but inclusion instead of separation. So many parents will just get aggravated and say, leave me alone or go to your room or I'm in the middle of a conversation. And they think that they're helping, but they're not teaching. It's like they, they're demanding respect from the child. <laughs> yes, they're demanding <laughs> respect, by, but not showing respect. And this is similar to I uh, tell people that you don't teach someone to listen to you by yelling at them and telling them to listen to you. You exemplify listening to them. And if you do that long enough, the energies will shift. But that might mean a year it may mean a year and a half with me and a wonderful partner of mine. We, uh, she tested me for a year and a half before we got on the same page, and she challenged me. She actually tried to get me to, to react, and when I didn't, then she knew that I was doing something real, and after a year and a half, she looked at me and said, whatever you're doing, I want to learn to do this. And then from that point on, we had eight years of uh, a level of conscious relationship that I would love for every human to be able to experience at some time, that level of communication. But I really want to plead to you beautiful people to, to really talk to your children differently than just as children and see if they don't respond. Even if they don't understand every word, what they're doing is they're feeling included they're not feeling dominated. And when they turn into so-called adults, then they will continue that ripple to where what happens now is we train them to be the adult and separate yourself from the child. So then the adult grows up from the child and goes, well, this is what my mom and dad did. This is what I'm going to keep doing. Now you're the child. I get to play the dominant role. And then one day you'll get to play the dominant role. And so, you know, this childish activity that's actually childish you know, goes on in with uh, young men, especially like hazing uh, women too. Like in college, there's many things that that hoops that people have to jump through to join certain sororities and that kind of thing. And there's embarrassment, there's pain, there's discomfort all involved to almost like uh, just make them have to go through the discomfort that you know other pledges have gone through earlier. You know, in past years. And so this is, you know, in life, uh, there's so many physical examples of what we need to be working on emotionally and energetically. And when we can see all of that in one big picture, it's so, so helpful. So l the more that you work to consciously communicate, which means using your pure intention, running through those five external questions, once again, that's right person, right subject, is this the right time? Is this the right place or surroundings? And is this the right technique that I'm getting ready to do? When we go through that, that's helping us to recognize and respect the situation or the person. And then we want to, you know, complete those three R's with the recognizing, the respecting, and then the redirecting. And remember that that redirecting isn't a discipline like sending a child to their room. It is maybe sitting down with that child and saying, please discuss with me what is going on with you. What Obviously, you've got something that you need to be heard. And a lot of parents won't take that time. But I have proven, uh, as I feel that I've said before, that you either put the time in with kids earlier in life or it compounds and it becomes a bigger issue. So many Parents, unfortunately, that don't take the time with this level of communication with their children, then, of course, they have a very big challenge in the teenage years. And then many times they uh, those children grow up in their 20s and are constantly in trouble or on some type of uh, drugs or alcohol or something like that, trying to cope with what they went through as children. So this is a, a big episode from my personal heart space in changing the way that we send ripples out into the world. Here 
is where you can stop what I call the ripple. You can stop any ripple that comes to you simply by redirecting it, not annihilating it, just redirecting it. And so we want to see energy as that. It always needs to be moving. Just be decisive about what energies you're going to absorb and what energies that you're just going to deflect in another direction. But we don't always need to deflect it directly back at the person. There are times when that can be useful. But the main thing is, like I used the analogy of the car wreck, that waiting and making sure that I buffer this impact as much as possible. And many times a breath, one to three breaths, will give a person enough time through practice to do these five external questions and the three R's. It really doesn't take that long once you get used to practicing it. So when you are practicing the three R's with that hypothetical child in that situation, are there any different ways that you would do it if the child was, let's say, a generator versus a projector or anything? Very rarely is a person going to know that information, but if you do, then sure. You know, you you want to see that and understand that the you know, the manifester and the manifesting generator have tendencies to not want to be told things. What they want to do is they want to feel like they're part of the solution. So I just to suggest to people with these types of children that, hey, start everything with a question. Like, I really want to know what you think about this, or I really want to know how you feel about this perception. See, that, that, slight, that slight buffering of it's still like a respect thing. Like, I'm not just going to boss you because many of them will go into resistance right away when someone starts giving them direction. And people call these children problem children because they don't do what they're told. But they're not here to do what they're told. They're going to be leaders in the future. So working with that energy is very helpful. For anybody that has a generator child, many times what they uh, respond to best is information. And so you don't have to pose it as a question with them. They're just thirsting for an understanding, for information of it. And some manifesting generators fall under this as well. Like I said, in my view of manifesting generators, they're on a sliding scale. Some are closer to manifestors. Some are closer to generators. You know, and then projector children, they need an invitation. So many times, like just saying, uh, hey, little Johnny, let's go for a walk. After I, after Aaron and I are finished with that conversation and I go find little Johnny, you know, I might just go, hey, little Johnny, would you like to go for a walk while we talk? And many projectors, uh, they can communicate better when they're in movement of some type. And then, you know, reflectors, which there's only about 2% of people, they are designed to just reflect back. So sometimes you can give a, a view of yourself in a similar situation and they can, so analogies work really good like for reflectors and to where they can reflect it both on them and the other person that's giving the information. So yes, and then of course, if you know the the person's cars, that helps even more to whether when somebody is in royalty, like they're a jack, queen, or king, they're going to be a whole lot in more resistance once again to being told things. And I do hope that one day we get this into like school systems and really helping people to understand themselves, I feel like would be one of the first steps in truly changing the way that we educate uh, our young ones and not to limit them. And that's another thing that I want to get across here that's very, very important is that some people see any type of astrology, which the human design and the cards fall under, as a type of limitation. The way that I use the astrology or suggest in my teachings is you use it to find out, to confirm where your weaknesses are and where your strengths are. And then you choose to put some of your strengths up on the shelf and work on these weaknesses to become a more rounded and well-developed person. And so like, for instance, with me as being a triple Virgo, being born at the end of August, uh, Virgos carry a lot of perfectionism. And early in my life, I would not present anything until I had practiced it a million times. Like musically, I was a musician for over 11 years of my life. And until everything was perfect with my band or my own personal playing, I would not present that. And the way that I worked on that, I saw that 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 level of perfection, I projected that onto others as an expectation. Whatever I held myself to, I held others to. And it was just too much. 
and we're not here to be perfect. So, so what did I do? I created what's called a sound journey, and I play instruments in front of people that I never practice. Uh, it's not. It's different every time. the The whole thing is to be spontaneous and to feed off the off the group of people that's there. And that's a new way or a different way to practice music. Jazz musicians kind of look at it like that. But that was scary to me. I was scared to death. But now after doing that over 11 years, see, that's my new pattern. Um, so now I feel like that the balance is there between planning. So even in this podcast, we do a minimal amount of planning. Most people probably think we plan a lot more than we do part of the feed is the spontaneity and majority of the time we don't pick the subject until the day that Aaron and I get together with there's there's very little planning because we want that spontaneity to be there as well so having structure and freedom simultaneously is actually an option awesome <laughs> that was good i'm glad you brought in the the freedom and structure balance there and in uh invoking your own personal situations and experiences so in closing, Alexander, what is the best way or easiest way or most efficient way somebody can uh, start incorporating the three R's into their lives? Okay, what I would like to suggest is first that pause to just start with every conversation that you have with somebody when you get asked a question or when you start to respond to someone that you just grab those reins, so to say, and just pull back. And that, like I said, that can be for a second. It can be for one breath or it can be for a few breaths. Because sometimes if I need to get to that, if it's a little bit more challenging to get to that place of neutrality, what I want to do is maybe take three good breaths, depending on the situation and where I'm at. And so sometimes I'll grab my chin and I'll say something like, give me a moment to process this. I want to make sure that I'm giving you a really good answer and an intentional answer. Once again, it's informing. You're just informing that, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking an extended pause. The majority of the time, it's just one breath. Train people around you, and this is what this will do, that you're not going to just react. You're not going to just respond right away. And they will learn to allow you to do that. And if you'll notice any great teacher, any sage, uh, guru, or anybody out there that's at a true high level, they speak very slowly and they pause a lot. And our culture works way too fast for that. That's actually the, the energy that I like to reside in. But it is challenging for others to, in our culture, everyday people, to understand that. They can get frustrated. And if you get somebody frustrated because you're taking too long, then you're not benefiting the conversation. So once again, we don't want to cater to everybody, but to take that breath is the very first step of the training of this. And then, like I said, you want to recognize them. And that verbiage is part of that recognition of even when you say, uh, give me just a minute or so to, to ponder this, that is recognizing them and it's showing them respect because you're informing. Anytime we inform what we're doing, it's, that's a form of respect. And then we want to honor maybe the other person's opinion. Whether you agree with it or not, that's a step of, of respect, is that you acknowledge that you see, hear, understand, whatever verbiage you want to use, that you, you hear what they're saying. And then you're able to give your point of view. And the point isn't to change theirs, but they give their point of view, you give your point of view. If it is different, then right away you want to redirect it to maybe change the subject or say, hey, let's come back to this subject on another day when we've had time to process each other's views. So so the main thing is just being uh, patient in, in our communications, the recognizing, the respecting, and the redirecting, uh, as I said, uh, works in all of these areas, whether it's other people, whether it's with children, whether it's with thoughts, um, emotions, or, or just about whatever it is. Practice out there, people, and uh, you know, hold that vibration. And this is a big part of, of this episode is this helps us to hold the vibration that we want, really want other people to feel. 
understand as well that we attract challenges as much as we do uh, like thoughts because this is the plane of polarity. And when those polarities come in, we want to be able to withstand the storm and not allow it to knock us off our center. And that's what really changes people is when they see that. And I happen to feel that, you know, there's been many greats that's taught that, but Gandhi was one of the best examples of this. We're going to sit here and we're not going to fight back. They're going to come with clubs and hit you over the head. And the whole, his whole thing was, if we hold our vibration long enough, it will affect change. And they did. That, that movement was a big part of freeing India from slavery. Uh, but it took him 50 years of his life. So, you know, you've got to hold that vibration. And when the storms come, be flexible like a tree. The trees don't run and hide from the storms when they come. Normally, only dead trees are the ones that, you know, become unrooted or get knocked over by the storm. And that's a wonderful analogy as well, that when we are alive and full of life and compassion, there's not much that can knock us off kilter. But when we feel dead inside, when we feel like there's no hope, then just about anything can tip us over. So now let's quiet the mind, unwind, and get ready for our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy.
begin to bring your awareness back to the present moment. Recognize, respect, and redirect. Enjoy. We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.